0: Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service, in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans, or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit CarrolltonUMC.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture this morning, the last in the series of seven, in the series of seven uh, John Wesley sermons that we're doing, is another short one. So get ready. Here it comes. It is John 15, verse five. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Word of God for us, the people of God, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever present Redeemer. Amen. Well, you know what today is? It's my birthday. Well, no, actually, it was yesterday. But like some other, unlike some other famous people, I don't put my observed birthday on a Monday. I put it on a Sunday so that I can spend it with my favorite people on earth, y'all. Or for our Midwesterners, you guys. And for our person from New Jersey, you guys. My rule of thumb on preaching on my birthday is this, and you probably know this, I like to preach on a topic that I want to preach on, something that I like. And usually that topic is football. It's good because my birthday pretty much coincides with the start of the football season. But today I'm going to preach on a different topic that is also near and dear to my heart. And it's the importance of Jesus. So question 22 today from John Wesley is this. Is Christ real to me? Is Christ real to you? So every one of the 21 questions that preceded this, and just for a brief moment, if you haven't been here, we've been doing 22 questions from John Wesley that he used to ask the people in his holy clubs, the people that he hung out with in a faith uh, relationship, he would ask them and they would ask each other to hold each other accountable and there's copies of the questions on the end of the pew if you need it but you don't need it for today's sermon but you can take it today and, and you'd have a reference for later. But. All of those 22 questions are in some way a referendum on the topic of Jesus in our lives on today's question. So think about some of those questions. You remember what they were? Am I a hypocrite? Am I honest or do I exaggerate? Do I pray about the money I spend? When's the last time I talked to someone about Jesus? Do I disobey God in anything? Do I insist on doing things when my conscience is telling me don't do it? Am I jealous, impure? Am I proud? Am I a constant complainer? If you answer these questions either up or down, yes or no, every answer typically implicates Jesus. A yes answer that yes, I do some of these things that I shouldn't be doing, well that's an easy one. That entails the question of how do I incorporate Jesus more into my life so I can change that yes answer to a no? And a no answer brings up this question of why that's a no. Assuming that you're correct in the assessment, that you don't show up on the wrong side of the question? Am I assuming that based upon my own perceived goodness, or have I really involved Jesus in the process? And that's really the question for Christians to inquire about everything they do every day, and it's this, where is Jesus in all of this? Because the less we involve Jesus in our lives the lower the chance is that we're going to answer today's question question number 22 in the affirmative is Christ real to me instead Jesus is maybe way far off maybe not even reality or maybe Jesus is just some idea that we cling to but not a relationship that we nurture and foster if that's the case then according to what Jesus told us in that brief scripture we just read from John 15 that's not good but It's understandable. As I think I told you before, as far as I can remember growing up in the church, and that literally started right here in this church at Carrollton from about 1966 to 1973, and then at St. Luke's in Lakeview for 40 years, and I went to Catholic high school, and I went to Catholic middle school. There was not a whole lot of talk about Jesus. There was Jesus in the textbooks sitting there, a picture of him talking to kids and images like that, but no one ever said to me, Jesus is everything in all of this. Even the Jesus-centered musicals I was in, I was in Godspell once and Jesus Christ Superstar three times. I got to play Jesus in each of those plays. I know what you're thinking, typecasting. (laughs) I I got to play Jesus in each of those plays, and I can tell you that those roles focus principally upon the humanity of Jesus and not the divine aspect of Jesus. And it wasn't until late in my life that I began to understand the paradigm of God, or Jesus as God, and Jesus as Savior, and Jesus as the embodiment of truth, all truth. That began, began to become clearer to me. In fact, what it was that got me to declare my candidacy for ministry and for the seminary in 2005 wasn't Hurricane Katrina, but instead was teaching Sunday school to adults for about 15 years. In the middle of that teaching experience, Lee, you will remember this, I think, we had a video series Series we affectionately called The Baptist Guy in Front of the Terrible Blue Background. But that's the first person that told me, he said, You want to see truth? Truth is a person and that person is Jesus. In other words, you comprehend what Jesus comprehend what Jesus said and what Jesus did, and that itself is truth and entails that nothing else is truth. That's powerful. That makes you want to learn more and more and more, and candidly, that desire to learn more is what spurred me on to go to seminary. May I humbly suggest to you And the answer is yes, because it's my birthday. Um, May I humbly suggest to you that if you've never felt a push or a tug to learn more about Jesus, it's likely because you haven't sufficiently fertilized the soil of your mind and your spirit with enough of the basics about Jesus to start that growth. Good thing is, it's not too late to start. Wait, did he say Jesus is truth and nothing else? Well, Jesus said it. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Now, either you take that as gospel, pun intended, and truth, or you don't. And if you don't, you don't take Jesus seriously, because Jesus said it, I didn't. Translated, Jesus is saying, it's my way or the highway. Well, now people like us who believe in eternal life, you know the familiar scripture, John 3, 16, for whosoever believes in me will not perish, but has, has eternal life. We hang on to that, so, but sometimes we recoil when Jesus makes a statement like, no one gets to the Father except through him. Because we want to believe that people who reject Jesus still have a shot at salvation. Now, I have learned over time, and I will say, that I don't put it past God to reach people in any way possible in ways we never imagined, even the theoretical single person on the deserted island who never heard about Jesus. But why take that risk? Certainly, we see examples of Jesus taking problem children, like Saul the great persecutor and murderer of Christians, who Jesus then clobbered over the head, and whereupon Saul became the great apostle Paul. We see those happenings, but Scripture doesn't guarantee that Jesus is going to do that for every naysayer and non believer. And so, as a corollary to Jesus being the only means of salvation, Jesus provides us today in Scripture a, a corollary for living our lives while we're still breathing. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Think about that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, you could read that as Jesus saying, you know, I can pull the plug on you at any time. But given the rest of what Jesus said during his life, the way he spoke and what he talked about, Jesus was never about impinging like that on the free will of humankind. Instead, I think we should read it like this. If what you are doing, whatever it is, you're not having me, Jesus, as a backdrop, if you are not doing whatever it is with me, Jesus, at your side, then whatever it is you are doing is nothing to God. Because whatever it is you are doing, you are undertaking for the glory of someone else, maybe yourself but not for God. To be sure though, this statement that we just read from the scripture today is not one of doom and gloom, but one of hope, a warning for sure. For example, a ministry without Jesus in its doctrine will do nothing, your preacher may aspire to be a thought leader and may command the multitudes and charm the intelligent, and the music and the architecture may be superb, so that theoretically nothing hinders the success of that church. But according to Jesus, what has been accomplished in that church if Jesus isn't involved? Jesus says, nothing. John 15:5. our scripture today is a warning for sure, but it is more of an aspiration of hope. When we are branches in Christ, what great fruit we will produce. Jesus went about doing good, and us being in him, we will also do good. It's a guarantee from Jesus. Or what's the alternative? I heard one preacher use this analogy this week. He said, he watched a man with a dead, rotting apple tree go up on a ladder and staple some beautiful, shiny apples to the tree and he thought to himself, that's ridiculous. That's not gonna do anything. Now I can come up with some problems with that analogy, but it does make you think how often we attempt to attach red, shiny apples to our underfunctioning or maybe even dead tree. The solution to all this, as it turns out, uh, to provide sort of a birthday reference, is you can have your cake and eat it too. The solution is to bring Jesus into every aspect of your life. It's not that complicated, although it is a thorough process. You need to start praying to God, like Paul said, incessantly, constantly, every waking moment of your day. You need to start reading the Word, the Scripture, and meditate on the Scripture, and get to the point where certain important Scriptures are in your memory or burned into your brain so that you can call upon them when you need them, anytime. And, of course, you need to listen to the word of God and follow it. And you also need to be a part of a Christian congregation, a church, the very church that Jesus himself started and left behind for us. You instinctively know that if you do all those things, to paraphrase Martin Luther, you will not be clinging to the belt of Adam and be dead on arrival, you will instead be clinging to the belt of Christ, bearing fruit while you are alive and destined for salvation. Let us pray. Oh, Jesus, what would our lives be like if we made you a part of every moment of the day, if our communication with you through prayer was wide open constantly in every breath that we take and every step that we take and every greeting we make and everything we do in our lives, whether it's school or work or with family or with friends. Lord, help us to be focused that way. Help us to have the courage to do that and get out of the idea that we can handle it all on our own, Lord, because we know we can't. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Amen.